These are the voyages of the Starship Geekster. Its ongoing mission to seek out new comedy zones and to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. A Desi Lu production. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another time for another thrilling episode of Geeksters. Episode... 34B. 34.1. I'm welcome to episode 34B of the Geeksters. I'm your host, Ed. I'm your host, Sean. And again, we have our guest host, Dave. Hi, everybody. Okay, so as you know, we have those people who were cool enough to see Star Trek. uh, We're going to start off uh, this super secret podcast for those people who have seen it and want to enjoy the spoiler-heavy episode. Let's just start off by doing that. I wanted to do this all day. <laughs> Let's get that out right out right there, right on Front Street. <laughs> right on Front Street. Con, Con, and yeah. Star Trek Two. Wow. And I, I gotta say, best kept secret on the internet. Yeah. Because we saw it. It's it's when when you're hearing this. Oh, we've seen it on a Monday, so it was already three days into the premiere. Yes. For the opening weekend, I gotta say, I didn't see a post. I didn't see a blurb. I didn't see a meme of any con-related stuff right. for this movie. So I gotta say, wowzers! That I, I was actually like, as I'm watching a movie, I was like, all right, guys, kicking ass, blah blah blah. But until they hit that moment where it's like, three, this guy's three hundred years old, I was like, oh, oh, is it con? <laughs> like maybe, maybe. And then when he says con, I was like, oh, I literally kind of did, a, oh, oh. Oh. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh. Now, of course, during the premiere when it happened, I was away. So I was away from everything. I didn't have a computer. So I didn't have no, had no clue one way or another what was going to happen. I just kept trying to keep spoiler-free from, from before. So that way I would, would go in this movie fresh and just went to see it for myself for the first viewing without like any news or any rumors or anything like that. So that's how I presented it when I came in and saw it. How about you, Dave? Did you uh, see any rumors or knowledge of well, it? Well, the one thing uh, I did was I went on IMDb okay. before I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And it had the actor's name. What's his name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Or Benedict. Cumberbatch. Yeah. There you go. And his it had his Starfleet fictional name. Mm-hmm. And then it said Khan with quotations uh, rumored. Right. Okay. So it was like that and the Japanese trailer with Kirk and Spock's hands touching through the glass. Yeah, we'll get to that. I kind of felt it, it was pro- probably going to well, be con. Okay. We'll see, like, you know, to go back to, like, when they first were talking about doing Star Trek 2, a lot of questions were brought up. Is it going to be con related? And they kind of said, well, we don't know where it's going to go yet. So maybe in the course of writing the script, maybe they're like, we, we got to do con. Or maybe it was right from the get-go. And they just, because they really did a good job of misleading the public as far as what his character is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even giving the false name, just the Starfleet name. You know, his kind of his whole backstory in a way kind of changed, but that's because of the effects from the first one. You know, because they said in the movie, after Vulcan blew up, they went out searching for stuff. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so it kind of like altered his timeline a little bit, but it it worked. I mean, I gotta say it works. I completely had no clue it was gonna be con related until 
they, you know, you open it up, you see the cryogenic froze guy, and I'm like, is that Khan in there? Like, <laughs> like, or, or is he Khan? Is he going to be Khan? Maybe it's something completely different yeah. to kind of still mislead people. And, you know, the guy's like 300 years old. I'm going, oh. And then when he finally said it, I was like, I literally, like, it was like, oh, yeah, doing fist pumps. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to see some ass kicking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start out with the beginning of the movie. I mean, the first few minutes, Sean and I were uh, privileged enough to see it during The Hobbit, and we saw the yeah. IMAX 3D experience of The Hobbit. Yeah. I was in 3D, I don't remember now. Yeah, that was in 3D. Yeah. We just didn't do the whole um, 24 frames. We just did the generic 3D version of The Hobbit right. with the, because it had the extra seven minutes preview of Star Wars, Star Trek. Star Trek. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say probably say Star Wars in, a couple times now. <laughs> <laughs> so when we saw that, they, of course, they were running away from these villagers. They were holding a sacred object in their hands that belonged to the villagers because they were trying to lead them away from their temple to because there was a volcano right next to it going to blow up. And, of course, that's what we saw in the first few minutes when we saw The Hobbit. And we were like, wow, we can't wait to see Star Trek because that looked really badass. Very, I'm going to say, very James Bond opener. Yes. For yeah. the movie. Now, i got to be honest. I don't want to get into a whole synopsis of talking about every part of the movie. Let's right. get to the heavy spoiler parts where people might go, like, what do you think about this? What do you think okay. about that? So, I mean, yeah, the opening was very James Bondish. Right. You know, kind of like here's a little clip. It you know, and at the end, I guess you know they had the, they did the little thing of they now start worshiping because since we saw in the preview mm-hmm. them the Enterprise coming out of the water, yeah, they basically broke the first the major rule in the Federation, was the, prime, the, the prime directive. But to me, that's the reason why I meant just bring that up is because I, I think it's like the whole starting point of getting into the whole spoilers because that really set off a lot of things in motion, like when. They had to go again go to Pike and talk to explain that to him because Kirk thinks he's going to be in the deep space mission of going into five years out in the deep space right. the Enterprise and being the captain. How exciting it was. And here they find out they broke the prime directive and he was demoted. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, he was demoted. He actually he was demoted so far back that he was actually going back to the academy. Yeah. It wasn't until Pike kind of, they, after he got the ship back, it was like, hey, I want, he was my first officer. Which you kind of figure, okay, well, the movie can actually kind of go from there because see how Kirk learns to become a good captain through Pike's eyes. Right. But it was through his death that basically he learned how to... Right. Because that, to me, was the whole, like, like the, the beginning, first half hour of it was basically a setup of them taking away the command. And then all of a sudden now, this meeting, you know, attends that they're going to find this guy and, and hunt him down and, and bring him to justice, basically. And he, the, of course, Captain Pike dies in the in the movie. And now the first officer being Kirk... He's now captain again. Yeah, but they mm-hmm. could. Well, I don't see. You now that's the thing is, I don't think maybe. And again, we were kind of going off script. Yeah, I kind of felt like the only reason why he got the Enterprise was because he went to hunt the guy, and it it, it helped Peter Weller's character to use him for the for for the mission. Yeah, not necessarily because because he was just promoted to first officer. The ship might not have been his. They might have taken the only reason why they gave him the ships in the first place is because. Pike talked him into giving him the first officer position. Right. So you never know whether or not, like, for me personally, like looking at it from like a like a third party kind of thing. Yeah. Like you don't know if if things went smoother yeah. than it did if he still would have become captain because technically he was still. They might have decided to go. We know what Pike's gone. The only reason why I gave him the first first officer was because of Admiral Pike. You know, because of Pike having the ship. 
because they could have just thrown another captain in and he could still have just assigned his first officer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it just worked out for Peter Weller's character to kind of go, I'm going to let the hotshot, the guy who already got in trouble, yeah. do this mission. And he's already passionately hating mm-hmm. this guy. Right. So it, make, it, it, it stacks the deck more in his favor for the illusion of the Federation, a, a rogue Federation ship going in, <clears throat> shoot at Kronos. Right. And then perpetuate this overall lining plot line of Peter Weller's character wanting to do a war. Yeah. To kind of force the issue of having a war. Right. Right. So whether or not he got, the, he got the captain's chair because of that or not, I think it's more because it suited Weller's needs than actual Federation rules. Yeah. Right. You know, maybe. I don't know. My thing, though, is back when the Enterprise took off out of the water and all those other guys saw it and they drew, they were now worshipping the Star Trek. Oh, the, the, the Enterprise. The Enterprise. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. Is that ever going to come back to haunt somebody at a later point? Right. You know, like that was something they didn't touch on. And I was like, well, maybe that's, I like the first time seeing, I'm going, is that going to be like the start point to where we are now? Yeah. Like, cause they didn't give you like really much of a time frame as far as, I mean, well they did, but they didn't like from that incident to where he gets demoted could have been like in a week or two, like whenever right. he got his, like to me, it, it felt like they gave him the ship because of the first movie. Right. And this could have been like one of the. He's still kind of like learning as he's going. So this could have been like we're gonna we're gonna let you go on this exploratory mission to observe this. Right. And then Spock. It's Spock's idea, really. He's the one who really broke the Prime Directive for wanting to stop the, the volcano exploding. Right. Because and, the Prime Directive would say and, you have to let them naturally die if that's what right, nature. Because he's Mister Rule Guy. I kind right. of felt like the reason why he was pushing that it was Spock's idea was because of Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing his planet die, he didn't want that to happen to any other... Any other that's a good point. Other cre- any kind of other planets. Yeah. So that's why it was his idea to freeze the thing, and that's what Kirk was like, sure, let's do it. Thinking there was going to be no repercussions, and unfortunately because of the series of events, they go rescue Spock, and but now they have that little thing. I'm like, maybe that's going to be the plot, the the whole kind of the movie's going to lay on the back of that James Bond opening. Right. You know, but mm-hmm. nope. Nope. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of like, again, you know, the major spoiler is cons in the movie. Yes. I still like, I gotta say, initially I was kind of not really a big fan of the Yahura-Spock relationship. Okay. Originally from the first movie, I was just like, really, did you? why did you have to throw that in there? But I actually kind of thought it was kind of cute in this movie. Like, it actually did seem to be kind of like a... Like a more like a real couple more than just, let's, let's get these two together. Right. Because right. it'll be funny. Yeah. Well... And- Go ahead. Oh, I was just, since you were talking about relationships, we talked about this at the Red Robin restaurant. Uh, I pointed out, if you guys have seen uh, The Wrath of Khan, Dr. Marcus is the mother of Kirk's child right. in the other universe. Right, right. But at the end, it seemed like she kind of liked McCoy's flirts. And maybe they'll go off that timeline where maybe her and McCoy become an item? I, I, I don't know. I mean, because if you remember in the original Star Trek universe, Yahura and Spock were not the item. It was Yahura and Scotty. They were they were the ones that... Remember. Oh, okay. Yes. Because in the movies, yeah, they, there was that kind of a... They, they were strongly implying that they were... Uh, they, um, they hooked up a comp- at least one at one time or another. Right. They, they never really flat out hit you over the head. It was kind of alluded. Yeah, okay. Right. Subtle subtle ways they touched each other and talked to each other. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that they if they do, you know, now we're talking future movies, mm-hmm. I think that it might be 
beneficial for them to keep because like again what are they going to do they couldn't have Kirk hook up at a whore in the first movie where mm-hmm. you're just not going to let Kirk have a girlfriend at all like well he's a man whore so well, yeah, he's I mean, just go from woman to woman just by the opening scene with the two chicks in the bed with towels I'm like there's yes. Kirk yeah. you know Finally. Wait for the unrated uh, <laughs> director's cut on that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of cute. I was like, "All right, he's still the he's still the player." Captain Kirk in the house walks in, whips out his Starfleet uniform. <laughs> Captain Kirk. Uh. I'm glad he finished that. Was and you know what? We're assuming they're girls. They were aliens. Maybe they weren't tails. <laughs> yeah, notice I didn't laugh. <laughs> Well, Ed laughs. Ed laughs at anything. That's true. Because <laughs> Kirk's a freak. Those are great chicks. Oh, yeah. They might be down with that. I don't know. No, Kirk's all man. All man. I don't know. Ed, Ed and I have seen a lot of fan fiction books at uh, the sci-fi conventions. Yeah, conventions, yeah. Yeah, well. It's... I don't get it, but all right. Whatever. Because I think Kirk could do a lot better than Spock. <laughs> well, it's that sexual... Five t- years in space is a long time, It's man. that, sec- that it. sexual tension, you know, the, uh, no, Captain, it's not illogical. Damn it, Spock, bend over this chair. Captain, it's the end of my seven-year cycle. I'm going to die if I don't meet. You may have my butt, Spock. Yeah. I want you to live. <laughs> live. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. Not, not a contraceptive. You know, so, that was, you know, big, like I said, back to the movie, you know, Khan being in it was good. Yes. Um, I liked how they juxtaposition. And let's face it, the other big thing is Kirk dies. Yes. I mean, that I thought touching was... touching moment at the end of uh, the original... Uh, <laughs> Star Trek Two, rather con, where the uh, Spock saves the ship basically by going into the radioactive core and right. adjusting it so that way the ship can jump out of jump into warp to get away from the Genesis exploding to now where Kirk goes into the radio <laughs> right and and does the whole and I gotta say I I liked like they actually lifted you know words from the second movie yeah mm-hmm. you know especially with Spock being in a chair. You come down here. Better come down here quick. Like, yeah. like as soon as like even now, I'm getting goosebumps. Just kind of like just because you're going no, like oh, oh wow, you know. I okay now since we're since we're, since this is a spoiler heavy show. Yeah. The Tribble part. Like here's Kirk. Yeah. Talking to Khan. Yeah. And then he kind of just nonchalantly goes, "What are you doing with that Tribble?" Yeah. You know, it just kind of set up that whole. Because in the end, you know, Kirk dies, but he's kind of not brain dead. He's he still has brain activity. Yeah. So they use Khan's blood to kind of regenerate his, basically bring him back to life. Yeah. But they they threw in that triple thing is kind of like a, like an offshoot. Yeah. Like kind of like oh what are you? Um, here I am looking at the bad guy right in his face going work at the time you didn't know it was a bad guy but I don't trust you we got to work together and I don't want you what are you doing with that triple like it was like <laughs> uh huh yeah yeah squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> well to me that was the I think the whole like where Bones is his own little world in a way because it's like he's like what do you do with that trouble and all of a sudden it's like well I want to know what, what his blood can do so this trouble is dead so I'm going to inject it kind of like here's a dead la- rat 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 lab rat lab rat and he sticks it in there just to see what the blood will do so because it has such a regenerative property exactly right 
So he, he kind of had a theory on it. So he was doing his, his scientific. Doesn't matter what's going on right. around in the world, you know, in the starship, you know, things could be happening, explosions, all this kind of stuff. Doctor Bones is going to do his job. You know, like he's going to discover new new uh, diseases and, and how to treat them. Right now, okay. Now here's another thing. I guess I'm kind of like how you felt about the inclusion of the original Spock in the movie. How did you feel about seeing him in the movie? Well, it's always good to see Leonard Nimoy acting again in the in the Star Trek genre. Right. But you get to a point where I, to me, I, 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 you know, I could probably get a lot of hate mail for this one, but you get, you get tired of it after a while. You're like, yeah, he was great. He was a great actor for the show. He was a great actor for the movies. But it, it's kind of like you're now you're beating a dead horse. You know, like, I, it's just like... I mean, it, it was a good plot point to bring up because, you know, you wanted to... Nobody could figure out how to beat Khan. And it's just like, well, in the alternate universe, you beat Khan. How did you do it? You know, or did you meet him? And uh, Yeah, how did you feel about it? Yeah, uh, like, I felt like originally when Leonard Nimoy was in the first Star Trek redo... There was a good reason for there it. There was a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of him going to New Vulcan and helping them rebuild... Uh, the population and save their knowledge. Right. Was he was going to almost be like a monk. Yeah. And not affect the timeline, mm-hmm. which is the past to him. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now the movie could be its own. Right. You know, you could stop putting consideration of the other movies and TV right. shows. And it's, it just felt like they sucked them back. And that's kind of how I feel like when I saw this scene, I just kind of feel like, like you didn't need him. And it didn't really take much for him to break his own vow, did it? Well, yeah, but that's Spock. Spock's always, I mean, even though he kind of was like, it wasn't until new Spock Mm kind of said, well, how did you defeat him? And it cuts away, where I kind of felt like, you know, Spock probably did, you know, like, well, here's the thing. They created this Genesis device, or not even go into detail about the Genesis device, that Kirk needed to get, we had this device that Khan wanted. He set a timer on it to explode, and we got away that way. You know, which I think helped propel Spock doing what he did with the the torpedoes by taking you know Khan's crew out, keeping them on the Enterprise, but still putting the live torpedoes on a countdown on his ship, kind of like a Jacques posi- Jacques position of the Genesis device effect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> but I don't know. I think the only reason why, like, and again at the end, you know, we said there was a nice move doing that. Is like, well, something you would have done. Yeah, I think it goes back to Spock probably never would have figured it out on his own until the old Spock said it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I think that he's, because he said that's something you would have done. Well, how do you know I would have done it? Because other Spock told me. I just felt like it was kind of like using a cheat code in a video game. Right. right yeah. <clears throat> it just kind of felt like, like to me, it just felt like you needed some, how would, how would Spock go from here to here? Um, I don't know. We can't think of an original way, so let's get Leonard Nimoy reprise his role again. Right, like you know, is Nemo going to tell Starfleet you better go back in time and get two whales, or the satellite's going to kick your ass? Right, right, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like at what point is it going to end? Right, you know, is he going to be the constant like sage, like you know, like oh, well, you, oh, by the way, since we're talking, get get two whales, you know, like yeah. you guys still have whales, and it says you know because apparently if you're right, because if if you're going by time frame, those whales are already gone. Right. So how are they going to, unless he kind of goes, oh, by the way, you needed to do this with, like, wells, or here's the language, or this is what we did. You know, here, right. here's the information. Right. Well, why are you doing that? Oh, yeah, you just, just save it. You know, like, <laughs> hold on to that. <laughs> You're going to need it in a future movie. Yeah, it's, it's, like, movie. <laughs> it's like giving them a, giving him a golden, like giving Starfleet, like, a golden fortune cookie and go, 
you have no one to open this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just kind of like, I just felt like he didn't really need to be there. And again, the, the first movie worked so well on its own mm-hmm. that by putting him in it, like you said, made it feel like you were just kind of like, just in case you, for those people who didn't like the first movie, we threw Spock back in. Just, hey, the old Spock. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. Just, like I said, to me, it was just like, you're going to, you know, hopefully in the next movie, they're not going to, not, not that I don't want to see him again. I mean, because again, he was, he's a, he was a pivotal point of the whole genre. But you get to a point where it's just like, now you're on your own. Yeah. You're like, now it's time to create new stories because you have a whole new, you know, timeline of characters that will, are young again that can push yep. forward the Star Trek, you know, Enterprise, uh, you know, movies and, and all that kind of stuff just to keep going. But just don't keep going, digging back into the well of, of the old. Yeah, the old thing. cast or right. just, or him, just kind of like, you know what? It's, you're a big boy now. You can stay on your own two feet. You don't need these guys. Right. You know, I mean, it worked for all the TV shows. You know, but even even Next Generation was able to pull back, you know, Bones for the first episode. They pulled Scotty back from the original episode. Right. Mm-hmm. They pulled, you know, Nimoy. Yeah. You know, he was still around. And then even in Generations, they get Kirk. It was like, it seemed to be like a lot of Next Generation, as great as the show would, did really rely heavily on certain points on the old Starfleet. Right. Well, the, the, the fans wanted to see the, the, the original sure. cast. And, you know, Scotty was stuck in the transporter loop. Right. Um, that's how they explained right. him. Vulcans live much longer than humans. Right. That's how they explained. Now, d- did you hear how they were going to write Uhura in, but they never did? No. She was going to be the daughter of Guinan. Oh, okay. Because the listeners live a very long time. Right. And, well, I can't say officially, but this was one of the writer's ideas. Right. And the reason why Uhura would have looked older than Guinan was because it was established that one of her parents was, was human. Okay. But they never said what her, her other parent right. was. So being a halfling, she's aging faster than Guinan, but slower than a human. Right. Okay. okay. So, but... That ex- that episode I, obviously never happened. I gotta be I gotta be honest. I'm kind of glad, you know. Since you know, let's jump ship to go back to there. I like what they did with Guinan's character because they never gave her a backstory. Right. She was just this person on the ship that had. But she she was like 900 years old. Right. Right. 900 years old. Look as good you on that. <laughs> because she was back in the what was it the 1700s or the sixth when uh, she was observing Earth. Okay. So yeah, I'm. You're now talking episodes that I don't think you I haven't saw. seen yet. Okay. I haven't seen yet. Yeah, she's very old. Okay, because she's I know my, my extent was kind of being on the Enterprise B for generations and being pulled into the ribbon and being broken free from the ribbon. Like, that's my knowledge. Oh, yeah, she's, she's she around. goes back way before the Enterprise gotcha. B. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So now back to, back to Into Darkness. Any other big shockers? Oh, wow, big shockers. Um, well, okay, big spoilers. Like, we talk about Khan, we talk about Kirk dying. I like, you know, like the whole, how they handled it was a little bit more, I, I gotta be honest, I was a little emotional. Even sec- seeing it a second time, I still got a little choked up. Maybe because it's the old sentimental me trying to break through, remembering the time when I did see the whole Kirk, Spock, you know, Star Trek 2. Well, yeah, they, that threw me off when, when all of a sudden, when Spock yelled, Con! And yeah. the next thing you see is the ship flying down yeah. because it was destroyed you thought it was disabled and totally, totally destroyed and it's like the the crisis is over and that goes flying towards earth because it wants to hit starfleet because that's that because he's finally like you know what if i can't do it my way i'm just taking everybody out i'm, I'm gonna, gonna ram this ship right down their throat yeah right yeah 
Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I think, again, that whole ending was nice. You know, and that ship going by. I mean, again, it was more like, fuck you. I'm taking everybody out with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of a deal. And, and it was very moving and very kind of like creepy seeing that ship slam. Yeah. You know, but I, like you brought up, like, how would people 9-11 feel? Right, because that's exactly what he was attempting. Right, he was basically, I'm going to ram this ship into this, into this into building. This building, right. And which, for people who've seen the movie, like, I left as soon as the, you know, the whole end credits start coming up, because Ed here thinks that every movie is going to be a Marvel movie ending, <laughs> where as soon as the credits are done, there's going to be a bumper. Yeah. No, it's just Marvel, you know? <laughs> Never know. <laughs> so, you know, the first time I saw it, I pretty much got up when they're doing the whole planet flyby, you know, mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, eh, the movie's over. Let's get out of here. But we stayed for the, you know, since we stayed for the end, they actually had that nice little for the victims of 9-11 kind of deal. They dedicated it, yeah. Right. Yeah, so maybe like somebody at an office went, you know what, this is getting kind of heavy. We need to, you know, like, hey, look, watch, you know, so no one sues us. Hey. Let's, you know, have a nice little safety net going. We know it's heavy material. Here's a... It was inspired from something that really happened. Right. Yes. You know. Tragedy, but, I mean. Yeah, but, you know, that's the best part of the human nature is we can take a tragedy and try to spin it in a way to kind of show that we're, we're better than that by saying, yeah. you know what, yeah, it's a tragedy. Yeah, it sucked, but we're better than that by not, by acknowledging it rather than ignoring it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. So I felt like that was like it was a nice little touch, you know. But it was it was, it was scary shit. <laughs> yeah. Seeing that, you know, seeing the plane, you know, seeing the ship come down, which you know, at, so at one point you and I both thought it was going to be the Enterprise, right? You know, yeah. because the way they cut the trailer, <clears throat> yeah, it, it. I thought the the Enterprise in flames is when it went into the water, right? Yeah. But here they took the um, viewing of the indigenous species. And Con Con ship or Marcus's ship, and they the way they cut it, I thought it was all the Enterprise, but it was actually two different ships right. hitting water. And I also liked the idea that you know, like it was a dragnet, a dragnet ship. I always forget. I can never pronounce the name of the stuff. Dreadnought. Dreadnought. Yeah, that it looked very next generation. Yes, very and much. When we first, I talked, thought it was from the future when I saw the trailer. Right, because you mentioned it before we saw the movie, like how you thought it was going to be, I hope they're not doing another time riff thing. Right. Because that would suck. And it, it did work out nicely, you know, because it did look like a, a dreadnought ship, but it was a, a secretly designed and built one mm-hmm. that no one pretty much knew about it or some knew about it, some didn't. And it, it worked because it does kind of bridge that Star Trek with next generation. Mm-hmm. But again, in a way that it's an alternate timeline, and since Fed- since the Federation was looking for it, it would make sense that they would have access to technology that can maybe make a dread a dreadnought that kind of ship, right? That's three times faster and three times the size, three times as faster. So their technology is actually evolving faster than the original timeline, right? Which helps too, because if you think if we're going to keep making movies, if they do want to bring back, because we have technology now that is so far advanced than the shows were, like they were getting text on their communicators in this one, right? You know, or even still, just go back to next generation. How many times was someone walking basically the futuristic version of an iPad? Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever thought of an iPad. Just oh, that's Star Trek. Woo! But then as soon as you start seeing it being used. Or just the communicators, you know, like the flip phones were directly rip off of the old Star Trek communicators. Right. And then now, thanks, you know, then when Next Generation came, was hitting the, the communique, the, their little symbol, which in Bluetooth. a way... Yeah. Bluetooth. Yeah. And, you know, so in a way, it kind of like, it did breed technology. So now you've got to have to kind of advance your movie 
So if it's going to be in the future, you better pull some shit out that could evolve from what we have now to that. Mm-hmm. Like like the whole view screen, which we talked about. It was like Google Glass. It, it was beautiful. I just loved how that just that look was like the, their window. It was window. their front window, yeah. It was their window. Their, view, their front window was also their view screen. Mm-hmm. That they can get communiques through it, through text, ship updates. It was literally like looking at a, like a, a Google phone, like mm-hmm. the Google Eye thing that they're promoting. Yeah. So, Same with the helmets and their uh, spacesuits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all, or, you know, like that whole touch screen glass thing, right. smart glass. Right. One of the one of the pieces of technology we didn't bring up yet was the fact of the uh, transporter phasing that they were doing in the movie, where Scotty came up with the equation to um, transport from one spot to a ridiculously far distance. Senses, right. Right. Again, I kind of, you know, try to recreate an argument in a way, but it was more yeah. like uh, my theory behind it was that it was technology that they didn't want let leak to the public. Yeah. Even though they had the, they, even though they had the formula. And they they could create it. It would be you don't want that to the public because and then anybody could do it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But your point was my point was Scotty just had to type some things in the keyboard in the first Star Trek, and it was strictly a program. It wasn't any spe- specific hardware. Thing. Right. What well, was it? Was a theory. You know that that's well. It was more than a theory because Scotty of the future made it work, and right. Spock taught this Scotty right. his but, own program. Yeah. But now that let me ask you a question because now this is where it gets kind of muddled for me for for the Scotty timeline in the original. Mm-hmm. Scotty came up with that that transport program, the program in the Next Generation show, didn't he? Well, in the that's, Next Generation, that's, what, that's the loop that were, he got. That's isn't that the loop that he got? No, he into? intentionally broke the thing that makes him re. His ship was about to crash land into a. Uh, uh, I, I was about to say man-made, but there were aliens. Okay, a. Artifi- there were, he was about to crash into an artificial planet. Okay. Mm-hmm. He knew there would be no way to survive it. Right. So what Scotty did was he he broke the part of the transporter that makes him rematerialize. Right. And he was stuck in the buffer. So he was stuck in the buffer for all those years. Okay. And that's why, because he, he would have been like either over 100 years yeah. old or dead. Right. So he was his ship was squashed against this huge man-made planet i keep saying man-made and um when he was discovered they're like there's something still active on this ship okay. and it was the right. low voltage he was, buffer he was like with 80 percent 86 percent yeah I thought, I thought it was 98 percent okay yeah and franklin was which was the other cast member that didn't make it was only 58 percent and they just yeah they couldn't reconstruct him right well now now my question though is is in that episode because i vaguely remember that episode mm-hmm. Did he create, was it on that show that he created the formula for that kind of technology? They No, they actually never said, they never really mentioned that technology. But you got to remember, uh, Scott, the last time we see Scotty in that episode, Picard gives him his own shuttlecraft and he right. flies away. Sure. And he, he might have even... In, invented it after that right okay right. so technically so so it, because you got to remember spock is very old right right i mean i know because right because so you don't know at what point scotty invented it it might have been at the very end of his life right so but spock having that knowledge going back to the past and to get in in the first movie to get scotty to do what they wanted he's like here's this formula because i see you're already working on it 
Right. It could have been like the puzzle that he was trying to figure out his whole life, and it wasn't until close to the end of his life that he figured it out. Right. But never got to see it used. Right. So then going back in time and then going, well, guess what? Here's the, here's the answer to your riddle that you've been f- fighting over. He figures it out and goes, oh, my God, this will work. And then because he joins Starfleet, Starfleet says, well, just take that. Thank you. And then starts working on it, you know, secretly. Right. So. <clears throat> it, just like Scotty's argument in Star Trek Four. They needed the uh, they needed something that the current technology of what was it 1984 1986 84 I thought it was 84 yeah I could they, be wrong though. something like that uh, mid 80s yeah yeah they, they needed they needed something that the the materials of the 80s could withstand water and it had to be thin and scotty said well the materials of this time frame they can make clear aluminum and they said you can't just give away the formula to clear aluminum because uh it hasn't been invented yet and scotty goes how do you know the guy that i give it to isn't the one that created it and it was like a paradox like right you know makes sense yeah i mean so yeah so inadvertently he kind of you know so to kind of give Khan the escape when he's shooting out the place, and Kirk, you know, does basically a diehard move. I thought when pulling out the fire hose, right. wrapping around the gun, throwing it into the ship. Yep, right. I'm like, did John McClane do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, too bad Kirk wasn't barefoot in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and since you brought up the assassination scene, right before then, uh, we see Pike get shot. Yeah. What I was really hoping for, like, it's kind of a shame they 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 killed off his character. Just so you know, just throw it out there. Star Trek for the Voyage Home was 1986. 1986. Okay. Okay. I was kind of almost hoping that at the end of the movie again, he would have been in that special Dalek looking wheelchair where yeah. he could beep yes and no and he's all fucked up with you right. know, disfigured and his mouth is wide open. It was kind of a shame. Like, it's a shame, like, that didn't happen to him from the attack that they actually killed right. him. Well, yeah, but the thing is, though, if you notice, he's walking up the cane. So it could have been the start of that process. But they already established he's dead, though. Well, no, no, no. What I meant was like when you see when you see Pike in the, in the movie, right. he's walking with a cane, right? And then he dies because of this this incident. Mm. But you don't know that in future, like because everything's kind of up in the air. How do you know that Kirk wouldn't have if if this didn't happen? Pike would have been the captain of the Enterprise. Kirk would have been the first officer. And Pike could have degenerated into a point where, and that's how Kirk got the ship that way. You know, because he did generate, degenerate into a point where he is in that box. You know, because mm-hmm. they, they, they never found the cure for it. You know, but because that timeline was altered because of, of but Khan, it wasn't a degenerative thing. It was an it was, it was over a, an accident. Yeah, it was like a flash of the warp core drive or something. Something like that. Like yeah, that. yeah. it, it wasn't a degenerative up. thing. No, I thought he had he had a disease and had to put him in the wheelchair. No, he was all no. scarred. scarred. And, well, I knew yeah. the scar part. Was, yeah, because during the menagerie, they explained that he was. It was during an accident. It was like a warp core breach, and he was like, it was like a flash of. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Of well, warp. again, could still have happened if it wasn't for Khan shooting up the place. Yeah. You well, know? I was saying is it would have been neat if it, instead of the original timeline, in this just like Kirk and Spock uh, exchanged roles, right. The same end happened to Pike, but just in a different way. Yeah, like that's a, like that's fire, how I was like trying to say. Like a firebomb in the in the room happens, explosion, and he gets hit. Right, and he's like, or they really save damaged. his life, but yeah. he's so damaged. I mean, from I get where lasers. you're going, but now you're getting Star Trek geeky picky. 
Not not picky. I, just no. It's okay, more, no, no, it's, it's more this looking for nostalgia. Okay, a well, little the, tip of the hat. But that's it. They did enough tip of the hat in this movie that you didn't <laughs> need the pike because a lot of people who know Star Trek don't know. Like like my sister was never a Star Trek fan, never until she saw the first movie. So she wouldn't have no idea how Christopher Pike, who he is, until mm-hmm. the first movie. You being a diehard Star Trek fan. And us, too, we know who he is. We do remember the first episode with him in the box and the flash and then hitting the buttons for yes, no. Mm. You know, that, while it would have been a nod to the people who are hardcore, you had the hardcore knowledge because of the triples. Mm. You know, you had the hardcore knowledge because of the Klingons, which made their first appearance in this movie. Mm-hmm. On, you know, on screen, because there's that, bo- that, that cut scene from the original, the first movie. But so I think that people know Star Trek from Klingons, Tribbles, you know, and other little things here and there, like Live Long and Prosper, you know, the Vulcan neck pinch, which you got to first finally see in the movie. Right. But it just, you know, it, while it hurt Khan, it didn't really knock him out. <clears throat> so I think that throwing the Christopher Pike in the box, I think would have been just, as far as for new new audience, I think it just probably would just felt felt flat because people were like, well, then what would have been Kirk's motivation to go after the guy? He, he, he could have he figured that Pike was dead. Like, it, it happened soon after the attack. Well, yeah, but he, I mean, what I'm saying is if right. if he was there in a burning husk alive because he did reach for a pulse, right. you know, then there wouldn't have been as much of a motivating factor for him to go after Khan as a revenge as tactic, a revenge tactic yeah. because he's still alive. He's not dead. And it also wouldn't have given Kirk the moral compass that he's needed to be able to be a good captain. Because he's at this point, remember, he's never lost anybody. This right. was a guy who was pretty much his father. Right. You know, dying. And that's like his first real death. You need that to have meaning rather than him just being severely wounded. Mm-hmm. For it to be kind of any kind of character, emotional impact to propel him you to think where so? he is. Because to me... I would be much more upset if one of my family members became a almost like a vegetable with no life that was in constant pain rather than just that's, peacefully that's a, dying. That's, that's a personal issue, I think, because if you look at Kirk, Kirk... I mean, this, this... I mean, but if you're talking about anger and revenge, I think if you fucked up one of my loved ones other than... Uh, I, I, it, to me, it would be worse than Again, them. you use the phrase, to me. To me, it wouldn't because I'm like I'm just happy that they're still alive. But if alive. you're talking about motivation to Kirk, but again, again, is one what's really Kirk's worse motivation the because of the fact that his father died right before he was born or as he was born, never grew up with a father from the first Star Trek movie. He had that piece of shit stepfather, mm-hmm. so he never had a he never had a real figure father that believed in him enough to say, "I think you could be good at this job. I believe in you. I trust you." So this was really like the death of his father. Mm-hmm. And having his fa- fictional father mortally wounded might not have given him the the that that anger and rage that he has to kind of push him. I want this guy's head on a platter kind of motivation and seeing the only man that actually helped me die. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's kind of like that's where they were looking at him more it stuck so. Stuck his neck out for me a couple right. times, right? more than once. You know, it yeah. was like I think that's where the emotional impact for him as a character. Because he's the hothead. He's the Han Solo of, you know, the universe. Right. You know, so I think that that as an emotional kind of character, that would propel him more. There's like at the end where 
Spock yells, come on! <laughs> He's now no longer Vulcan. He has now embraced his human side to go after and kill this guy. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, that was... He couldn't control his Vulcan side. He couldn't side. control it at all. He was like, screw that. I want this guy dead. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm surprised the horror at the end didn't shoot, you know, shoot Spock, stun him too. Because, right. I almost <laughs> thought she was. You know? To stop him. Right. I thought that was... That would be almost a like, logical choice, but... She was appealing. She was yelling at him to try to get to snap him out of that. You're you're a Vulcan. Snap out of it, right. kind of thing. But who knows? You know. Right. Oh, go ahead. I, no, I was, I was about gonna, to say something. You go ahead right ahead. I was. Oh, I I just we we we've talked science fiction off the show many times, and mm -hmm. I I said this during when we saw Star Trek Insurrection. And they've done it in the TV shows multiple times. When someone threatens the other ship, we're going to take away your life support. And they're like, oh my God, we better do what he says or we're not going to be able to breathe on the ship. You're on a freaking ship. You each have your own oxygen masks and your own spacesuits. Like, it, they make it sound like they're going to die instantly. You could probably be in the suit for six hours. Yeah, but the thing is, to get to those suits, because it's not like they're like, you know, you're walking by and you see suits along the corridors. Well, not and, not and only like that, going. you just said to yourself, Khan, like, if you're that evil that you're willing to shoot a life support system out and let them suffocate to death, you have nothing but time on your hands. So even if they all throw in suits that's going to last six hours, it's going to run out sooner or later. I am patiently waiting. Right. Like in you know, Insurrection, Riker took away the life support of the alien ship that I don't remember the right. alien's name. And they're all like, uh, 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 and they all start passing out. It's like not one person grabbed a freaking oxygen mask or a spacesuit. Just drives me crazy. Because, well, I mean, okay, I was going to say maybe because of those things are supposed to be, it's not like, it's not like we think of a ship. Like imagine an aircraft carrier. And that your oxygen tank is way in the back and you're way in the front. It's going to take you running your ass off a good 15, 20 minutes to use up that oxygen to get to it. Right, but the way a ship, a submarine, I'm sure even the spaceships like the, Columb the, the, the space shuttles or whatever, somebody is stationed near those masks. And just like the adult has to put on their mask first, the people that are stationed by the suits would put on their own mask first and then go around putting masks on the people that are passed out. And it just acts like, oh, my God, we have no air. There is nothing we could do. We have no air in the ship. And it's like, you all have freaking masks and spacesuits. You know, I understand your logic, but I'm going to say you don't know the design of the ship. You don't know if they even have that ability. The spacesuits, yeah, but those spacesuits are designed for, like... Okay, life support's out. Go to the, what do you call it, escape pods. Why not do that? Right, and use use their life support. Yeah, just, just go off the ship. But apparently, usually when the life support system goes out, it's usually some major malfunction on the ship where it renders the ship completely not able to do anything. So even those masks might not even work if they can't get to the escape pods. Right, just like when the transporters go out, why not use the transporters on the shuttles? Well, you know? that's, a, that's a good thing, but the thing also, too, is the fact is, is well, that... The, the, the first thing you think of, or well, not think of, but the first reaction is going to be when your life support's gone, you're going to panic. Sure. So you're, you're not going to think as clearly. You're not going to be like, go to go to your life support mask. Go to, go to the, the spacesuit. But, but if you're in the Navy ship, uh, uh, in, in NASA, whatever, you're, you're trained. You're trained. It, you know, disasters happen. Even the stewardess on the airplane, they're trained. Get your damn mask on, then assist others. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's my point. 
Yeah, but I, I think I, that's kind of like, again, looking at it from, from a ship that size. Mm-hmm. To be disabled to a point where their life support systems aren't working, half their ship wasn't working anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, the thrusters weren't working, nothing like that. So they, luckily they had air support. They had life support. Mm-hmm. But once you take out the life support, that ship's dead in space. There's no one coming out to rescue you. Right. So, like, at least you're you're trying to apply real-world stuff to a f- fantasy world where if you're a lone ship in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and if you have the ability to radio ahead saying, hey, we're dead in the water, send somebody out here, it's going to take us at least three hours or a day to get to you because you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. By that point, the, you could all be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's kind of like, I understand your point of like, oh, well, why not just do this? Why not do that? I don't know if they have, I mean, unless we someone calls up the specs to the Enterprise, mm-hmm. if they have a spacesuit, if they have one spacesuit per one person, you know, and how do you know that they only have maybe, let's say, a dozen spacesuits because that's the most they put for away missions? You know, I don't think there's transporters on a shuttlecraft because the whole point well, of the doing... next generation there is. I mean, that's the thing. <clears throat> of course, you're talking now. It depends on the shuttle, the size of the shuttle. shuttle. Right. Because, okay, well, now we're trying to stick in the realm of the Star Trek, not the next generation, because right. because the whole idea of having the shuttlecraft was to go on planets that the transporter couldn't reach. Right. Mm-hmm. So having their own transporter kind of defeats the purposes of sending a shuttlecraft. Yeah. But like, you know, but like Ed said, why not run into the escape pods and the shuttles that have their own oxygen system? Right. You know? Uh, I agree, but again, that goes on the whole, that goes, some people probably would, some people wouldn't, but that's the captain's orders. Mm -hmm. I want you guys, you know, like Spock said, everybody getting escape pods. And even at that point, Sulo's like, screw you, buddy, we're going down with this ship. Right. You know, which they were trying to save the ship. Well, that, but I yeah. think, you know, they were still trying, but it was just showed that the resolve, like, I think at that moment... They're, they're like family. Yeah, you and, like, I'm not going to allow... I'm not leaving this ship until I know there's nothing else I can do, even if that means my... They all were captains of the ship at that moment. Right. You know, everyone wanted to go down with the ship, which I think, you know, it bonded them together as more of a, of a, of a real crew, as opposed to the first movie, where it was just kind of like, they were all new, they all didn't know each other, mm-hmm. and it took this moment for them to be, this is who we are, we're all together in this, we're going to work together. Right. That's how I kind of felt like it was that, like, that emotional response that you needed to make them a crew, mm-hmm. or a family. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. <clears throat> so was there anything you thought that was disappointing in the movie? Well, I said the Spock thing I thought was kind of like a little let down. I felt Damon Lidenoff, I think, kind of came in and went, you know, we need, we need Spock in here. Okay. Like I just kind of feel like there was that that hole that just kind of felt like we'll just kind of gloss over it. That was the only real thing I felt kind of was like eh, right that stuck out of me. I tend to agree with that one. I mean, like I said, I I think it was being a dead horse and using Nimoy again and again. Right. And again. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it was it was near perfect, right up there with Wrath of Khan. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I mean. Okay. Cool. You know, cool. like uh, you know me, especially when it's like something science fictiony that's trying to be realistic. I, I do nitpick on things, mm-hmm. but entertainment-wise, special effects, story, character development, it was really spot on. Uh, and like I said, go, to go back another, you know, and not really spoil since we mentioned them in the first episode was I loved how every character had their moment in the sun, their moment to shine. Mm-hmm. From, you know, Uhura saying, you brought me to speak Klingon, let me speak Klingon. And she attacked it in the right way, like about an honor thing with them. Right. You know, Scotty got his moment in the sun by saving the ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Chekhov being, you know, in, in engineering, saving the two of them from falling. Right. You know, Sulu basically in the captain's chair. You know, 
even which bones. was a, which was a nod to him being the captain of the Excelsior. Right. They said a couple of times, "Oh, it fits you." You know. Yeah, and even Bones when he had when he was you know even though it was more comical with the torpedo thing, you know, yeah, remind me not to piss you off. Right. Or even when he was on the planet with her, you know, and the the, the pod bay door or whatever it was kind of closed on the, on torpedo, on right. the torpedo. It was still kind of like his moment of him just kind of like it's him doing a mission for the ship. You, you start to see how they all started to gel as a, as a crew, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I thought was great. You know, Kirk's development, I think was great. I mean, I think it, you now kind of believe him instead of being the, the luck ass. He'll still rely on luck, obviously, but he still now has that weight of being a captain. He now knows the, the, the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. To sacrifice for your ship to save everybody. Not once, but twice. Because he was willing to give himself over to Peter Weller mm-hmm. to say, hey, <clears throat> do whatever you want. Just let these guys live. And he was like, I'm going to kill you anyway. And right. Actually... Well, at that point, Peter Weller had to kill them because yeah. it was shipwright broadcast. And they all knew that he intentionally started a war. Well, not only that, but also they're, in, you know, I mean, granted, I mean, they're right in front of Earth's doorstep because everything was happening around the moon. You know, so, like, there's got to be sensors going, what the hell's going on up there? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, some satellites going, what the fuck? Why is there a ship up, two ships up there? Yeah. yeah, now I found that a little odd with their sensors and everything. They When they when they stopped from the sabotage, they were able to sense one life form on uh, Kronos. But not the other ships? Not not the other Klingon ships. That, that gives, I think, the Klingon the cloaking device thing. Yeah. But would you be cloaked just flying around your own planet? Well, if you figure, you know, unless they their ship gets disabled. Mm-hmm. Right outside of Klingon space. Or, or you can also go to the fact, too, is that it was un- uninhabitable. Because that's what they were saying. It was uninhabitable. He was the only one there. Maybe the Klingons picked it up where it was habitable and go, send three ships and check it out. Mm-hmm. Right. There was, there was like three of them, I think. Three. Yeah, no, three. I'm just saying that the Enterprise was able to pick up Khan's one life sign. Right. But they weren't able to pick up anything well, else around Well, there. no, they, well, that's because he was the only one at the time in that area. Right. So when they came down with the shuttle, you know, to kind of do that, then you're saying, how come nobody on the ship sensors? Says, hey, we just got three ships coming in, kind right? Of thing. Yeah, maybe because it, it less of an emotional impact, or maybe Klingon proce- procedure basically says we're going to go check it out. Let's cloak, mm. you know, to go in, so the Enterprise couldn't see it. And it wasn't until they had that shot across the bow, you know, until they got shot, was when they decloaked and fired upon you. Which mm-hmm. I gotta say, that's one thing we didn't touch on was the the bird of prey mm-hmm. the ship I like well look. they never said it was actually a bird no, of prey they just kind of gave it the class name but, but it was very similar right the, front the was wings the main and it also you know the wings went up yeah you know you saw it kind of like go in attack position kind of thing sure I thought that was kind of neat yeah I thought the Klingon look was good you know like the whole pips down the kind of like the earrings down the front of the forehead yeah tell the audience your theory on what they might have been the the, the, the the facial piercings I kind of felt like the facial piercings because they're a warlike race, or that 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 was their status of their rank. Mm-hmm. I felt like that kind of like you know because people might go look. I didn't like the look. My theory behind it was that you start off as a Klingon warrior, you get one little thing right at the base of your at the bridge of your nose, mm-hmm. and then the higher in rank you go, you get another one in that ridge. Mm-hmm. So that guy who was talking to Uhura could have been their version of their captain or their admiral or somebody big, because he was the only guy that said something. Right. You know, and it really really relied on what his actions were, than what their actions were. I'm not really sure if I bought the fact that he would have just like, he was aiming to kill her until Khan started shooting up the place. Right. That to me kind of was like, well, yeah, it seemed like he was starting to listen to her. He, yeah, he was saying, and all of a sudden, as he's pulling out his knife, I'm going, well, 
why would he why would he want to just kill her yeah he was probably going to scare her or maybe torture her a little to make sure she's telling the truth maybe I, I guess you said you don't know what the intent was when he's pulling, he's pulling out the knife because it was kind of like secretive he was right. you know you got a close up of him pulling it out of his, out of his boot basically right. Khan was like oh no I got it well, yeah because he yeah. already came in guns blazing <laughs> right yeah I know and then her grabbing the knife and using it on him to stab the guy in the leg I was like a horse kicking ass. But I, I thought the piercings were cool. I, I was a little taken back that they changed the Klingon nose to the. They took away the ridges and made it wider. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did they need to change the look of the Klingon? I know J- Abrams wants the movie to be his own. Well, I, I also, I also kind of look at it. It could be because of the actor's actual face. Maybe his actual nose is wider. Right. Like the guy they got, it just looked like a prosthetic to me. It, it could have been because I mean, if you remember, like how you know with Michael Dorn, mm-hmm. all the stuff that he had to get put on, right? You know, you figure maybe that's part of the process. But in order to maybe to get like more details, they had to put a prosthetic nose on him, right? You know, but you had to work on the actual nose that he had. So maybe the the broader nose base was the actor mm. versus just a, a design choice. Okay. You know, I mean, because we only saw him. We only saw the one. You didn't see... Right, right. I hope they helmets. all don't look like that is what I'm saying. <clears throat> right. You know? Because um, yeah, they were all covered by helmets, so you couldn't really see their faces until he, he took his helmet off. That's the only face you saw of the Klingons. Right. And speaking point. of the helmets, I really did like... They kind of did a Star Trek V Final Frontier nod. The helmet's forehead looked like the Star Trek V Klingons. Which, again, back when I saw the Star Trek V, I was like, kind of looks like the Predator helmet. Like, right. Yeah. It kind of had that the same kind of like design to it. Now, for those people who've seen it, obviously, Khan lives at the end. Mm-hmm. They freeze him again. So now, let me ask you your question: Where do you think the next movie should go, or oh, where it might go? I think it's a complete departure from this. I don't think they're going to bring Khan back. I don't think so. Yeah, either. I think they should do at least two or three movies before they attempt to bring him back, if at all. I mean, I, personally, I think that I think Khan was like that one-off. Like we created a whole new universe in the first movie. We're going to give you the Wrath of Khan in a, in our way. Mm-hmm. But now since there's no there's no need for a search for Spock kind of movie, so you can literally go a completely different direction now at this point, mm-hmm. you know, or pull from another episode or work around a different plot line or like from a movie. Because right. now since they introduced the Klingons, you could effectively have like a like more Klingon involvement. You can now can have a full movie against Kirk versus the Klingons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, which might be the next logical step in the rebuilding of a of a universe in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they can bring in the Klingon Wars, or they could kind of come to a quick resolve because it's a completely different universe. So it can go any which direction they want. I mean, it's so open and vast now at this point that they JJ Abrams has the he pretty much can head has the right can write any ticket he wants and be like, yeah, you're gonna believe it because I have the power. I mean, the only thing that they could do if they wanted to bring Klingons as a starting off point is the fact that there was a Federation ship, not one but two Federation ships, right on the edge of the neutral zone. Right. That, you know, and then we had this incident on our planet, which wiped out three birds of, you know, three Klingon warships, mm-hmm. a whole unit dead, because I don't think they killed them all, you know. Right, like, I think the one with the <clears throat> piercings, he probably lied, he was just stabbed in the leg. He was stabbed in the leg, I didn't see him get killed, but, you right. know, you saw the other guys get obliterated and blown up and all that kind of yeah. stuff, so there could still have been somebody alive to kind of maybe perpetuate a counteraction in a third movie. Right. Yeah. Or they could go back to that original race in that planet that they saved, and maybe there's a re- there's an actual repercussion to that. <clears throat> What's 
I think what's kind of interesting now, since we're talking about it, is the original Star Trek Wrath of Khan was kind of like Kirk's past biting him in on, on the ass. Right. Yes, exactly. He didn't have that in this movie, but he kind of did in the beginning, where he he screwed with the Prime Directive, gave the society another godlike figure to worship. How do you know that in, like, part three or part four, that's not going to come back and bite him on the ass? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's kind of like what Wrath of Khan to me was always about, like, <clears throat> biting you on the ass for your past sins, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, you find out that he has, you know, Kirk finds out that he has a kid, you know, in the original Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Right. And they introduced his possible future first wife or, you know. Right. Gives, baby mama. Baby we don't, mama. We don't know if he's, she's an ex-wife or what. Right. Well, in, They never said. Well, in, in Wrath of Khan, they were a couple. They I think he was married twice. I think to her and to the wife that he had in Generations. Because remember, remember when he was in... I remember Oh, that. you know what? No, you're right. I apologize yeah. because Kirk didn't even know David was around. Yeah. Because it was kind of like... I was. You're right. It was probably like a brief flare-up of a relationship. I mean, they could have been married. They just never said. Right. Yeah. They. You just know they had some kind of... <laughs> well, no, in the play, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was a fling. <laughs> it could have been a fling, you know, and then David... He forgot to put his uh, penis on shields. Yeah. <laughs> He had his photon torpedo on love. <laughs> so that made gave him David Marcus. Was his name David Marcus? Yes, yeah. because she didn't she didn't she give him the Kirk shot. name, right. right. The the Kirk name. But I mean it's still like Klingon bastards, you killed my son. There's still a possibility of that moment in a future movie. Yeah. You know, with Carol. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's in she's now in the ship. She's now part of the crew. Of the crew. Yeah. And then what also kinda of makes me wonder if they're gonna bring in Nurse Chapel since they didn't mention her in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, which would be a nice little thing, too, kind of, because Nurse Chapel was always a staple in the, the original series mm-hmm. with as Bones' second nurse, you know. So it was like, all right, you know, maybe they're, they're fleshing out the, the characters in a way where you can go, okay, now they're starting to introduce for the fans. Like, like I wouldn't, and a regular viewer of Star Trek probably wouldn't have known who Nurse Chapel was, just oh, some chick Kirk probably banged. Mm-hmm. But for us, we all know who she is. Right. <laughs> what? I just like how he, how he put that, that subtle way. Kirk, 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 Kirk Ben. Bend. Kirk Ben. You know, Kirk's a player. So, you know, I'm sure he's like... Some chick Kirk Ben. Well, apparently he couldn't remember who she was. He was like, oh, yeah, how, how is she? Kind of like... That's why she was like, you don't remember her, do you? <laughs> so, I mean, overall, I thought the movie was really good. I mean, the, the spoilers, you know, obviously, this is for the people who have listened, who have seen the movie. I, I really, if you, if there's something that you want to point out to us about, like, what we missed, especially if it's a nod to, like, the original series or to the movies, you know, let us know. I mean, shoot us an email or, or just a message on our Facebook page. Yeah. You know, because I'm always interested because I love that kind of wacky sidebar shit. Like the, tri- mm-hmm. the triple, I kind of got a kick out of. The Nurse Chapel part I got a kick out of because it was yeah. like all like... Even the little model of Cochrane's ship. Right. Yeah. You know, like when you see Peter Weller's office, you have all those yeah. other ships. And I could have sworn it was like the Enterprise from the TV show Enterprise was on there. It could have been because it was a quick <clears throat> scene. Yeah. Was a quick, no, I'm quick sure there's somebody out hand. there who's probably already looking at a bootleg going freeze frame, freeze frame, freeze frame. You know, because yeah. there was a, like you know me being I'm always nitpicky. Like I'm always Mr. Continuity. <laughs> I hate stuff that really stands out. Like 
for me, the one blaring one blaring omission in continuity was at the end, Kirk and Spock are in the doorway. Kirk does the whole Vulcan thing, you know, the whole live long and prosper thing. And so does Spock. But well, when Spock they, did it first and then Kirk had to kind of move right, his fingers. Right, but when they cut back to over Spock's shoulder, his hand's not in the Vulcan. His hand's just flat against the screen. Whose hand? Spock. Spock's. Spock's was it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, they, they, I guess it was another shooting of it. And they, and, he, okay. His hand was just the two, because both hands were on the glass. Because it was actually just the one hand on the glass when you look at the. Uh, but here's Kirk's the thought Are you, How long do you keep that pose? Maybe. Maybe he gave him the piece well, of he, the no, no, because, because, no, because the scene was designed. His hand was up, and then Kirk's hand falls from the glass, and you're looking like behind Spock. Okay. And that happens, and his hand should still have been in the It pose. still should have been. Okay. Yeah, for like at least another... See, that's something I didn't pick up. I saw it right away, because so I, I was just like, oh, you But it didn't really bother you. It, it didn't bother me, but it's one of those things, like being a movie buff... Certain like mistakes like that really jump out, especially of when you consider how many writers, uh, set directors, so you know that's gonna money be... goes and, into and, these scenes, and more so when I'm emotionally invested in a scene. Because mm-hmm. now at that moment, I'm like my eyes are glassy, I'm teary. I've been like, yeah, I know. Like again, I saw it twice, even though I knew what was going to happen before you guys did. Mm-hmm. I was still an emotional wreck, kind of like. Like, like I'm looking at it now from a different perspective because I'm looking at it like a. <laughs> see, I, see I, what I saw it was after he died. I'm like, I guess it's only a two picture deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like I was like, oh my god, I can't believe they get it. Like, and I'm like, are they gonna wait for like another movie to bring him back, or like, is it gonna be like Star Trek Three? Well, the... he's whispering over to me, <clears throat> Star Trek Three, the search for Kirk. Yeah, like... that's how it kind of felt like it was gonna be right. like. We are they gonna hope they're not gonna end it with them. Then as I'm going, oh wait, we didn't see the scene in the trailer where somebody's jumping from a building. I'm like, there's a whole like there's gotta be like that ending. Like yeah. you know. So I mean I definitely when he goes, Come on! <laughs> I was like, You get him, Spock. <laughs> so I mean I overall I think the movie was really good. But that other than that, like I said I was emotionally invested and I'm like, Oh my god, I can't believe it's such a you know, here's this is the moment their friendship is solidified. Yeah. You know, because you didn't have that moment and there it is, that that death moment and he forgets to keep his hand right? You son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> Well, he, he did start crying. He, yeah. He lost that Vulcan part of him yeah. for that moment. Yeah, that's what brought him in. That's when he was going, He didn't even on. really cry for his parents that hard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> his yeah. whole planet. <laughs> so again, for those people who have listened to this super secret ultra cool kid podcast thank you for listening yes if you want to contact sean and uh maybe give your input on the whole show or other shows you can contact sean at wordswithgeeks.com or you can contact ed at wordswithgeeks.com or you can go to our facebook page geeksters and like us you mean our facebook page geeksters and like us yeah you were close i just figured i want to clarify for the audience thanks but again folks (laughs) if you can't Go a moment without looking at a flip phone and yelling to it, Con! You might be a geekster.